Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of May 21st, 2023. Okay, my big move to the Netherlands is on tap for next week. You know, wish me luck. Well, uh, what I'll say is take this week to build three new data mesh relationships out there. You can search something on LinkedIn for posts on like hashtag data mesh or do more complicated searches like data mesh and stage or presentation. So you get people presenting or something similar, you know. Don't only rely on me to connect you to people, right? I am doing that, but it's also, you can go out there and find these people pretty easily. And most people want to chat, right? If you know how to reach out to them. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 224, building out scalable automated access for data mesh at Disney streaming, which is an interview with Himatesha Madala at obviously Disney streaming. Himateja shared some great insights and learnings from building Disney Streaming's data mesh platform, especially in building in the automated access granting at scale. They have a very unique setup with some very strongly defined RBAC and also have their their mesh fully fenced in so no data can actually leave the mesh, both of which are relatively unique approaches to data security and privacy in data mesh. Lots to learn and consider in this one. I don't think their approach is the best for many orgs, but that's why it's really important to find lots of use cases and compare and find what works for your organization, right? I think this one is quite unique, but very interesting, and you can learn a lot from it. On Friday, we have episode 225, which is Jamax Corner number 23, driving to resilient data value now and in the future. So I've got my kind of takeaways. Jamax talked about Postel's law. Be conservative in what you do. Be liberal in what you accept from others. So this is in how we exchange data. We need to get past this idea of nothing can ever change and that I have to very, very tightly couple everything I'm doing to the exact data schema. And if that data schema changes at all, everything is broken, right? Especially when you think about kind of second order effects of downstream data products. Easier said than done and not that easily said, but really look into Postel's law and how that applied to kind of the API world. We can do better in data than what we did learning decentralization in services. 
you know, Jamak said, we have to level up. We can't repeat the past mistakes. Let's not be silly and fool ourselves just because we have a schema. Now we have an amazing system, right? So with that, we have to learn from those past mistakes rather than making the same mistakes that the services world has been making over the last 10 years while figuring out how to do microservices. The services world has learned good ways of communicating between producers and consumers, right, on that API kind of revolution. We should look to learn more from them and look to adapt, then adopt what works well. And then the last point would be, Jamak believes we have to learn to prepare our data for future use cases. Personal note here, if she means reuse of data being generated for current use cases, most people agree, and I I fully agree with that. If she means creating data that doesn't currently serve a use case, almost everyone out there else is seeming to disagree there. So it's an interesting point to lean into and really consider. So (laughs) both of the episodes this week are ones where you want to lean into them, listen hard, and consider. So with that, on to the extended summary for Hematasia's episode. Extended summary for episode 224, Building Out Scalable Automated Access for Data Mesh at Disney Streaming, an interview with Himateja Madala. So in this episode, I interviewed Himateja, who's a senior data engineering manager and head of the Data Mesh data platform at Disney Streaming. To be clear, though, she was only representing her own views on the episode. Himateja started the conversation with the situation Disney Streaming was in that matched many organizations right now. Many data platforms, but not one that was that will really fit with data mesh, even with augmentation. So she and her team decided that because the existing platforms were too hard to change to meet the needs of a data mesh implementation, they'd need to build their data mesh platform from the ground up from scratch. Scott note here, I think this is something that hasn't been said enough that it's okay to start from scratch. I know people say, if you can start from scratch, do that, but it can also just be the only way to accomplish this is starting from scratch, right? That might be the answer you come across. When you have new personas leveraging the data platform, even if those are data engineers embedded into the domain, Hematasia recommends rethinking how data work is done. What do people need automated and by default, like security? How do you create monitoring and observability that helps people easily pinpoint issues with their data as those issues come up, right? That hasn't really been a lot of the ways that we've done data work. How do you make data accessible by default at the data product and greater mesh level, et cetera? In a decentralized federated data approach, ways of working and needs will be different. So dig into what are the actual pain points instead of solving the same pain points of previous implementations, of previous data platforms. If you keep doing that, it's the definition of insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Hematasia shared that while people may think data products are pretty similar, 
every different types of data products, they end up relatively different based on the use case. Audience also really mattered when trying to figure out what capabilities people required early in the journey. Execs were often more focused on data privacy and security, and data scientists were more focused on quality. It's harder to focus on the business context at the platform level because many people are used to doing that via request. The data products themselves need to own business context. Data contracts are crucial to maintaining data quality in Hematasia's view. While they are certainly helpful to data consumers, they're also very helpful to data producers because with proper observability, data product owners can quickly identify and address quality issues as they emerge instead of waiting until consumers complain and downstream data is wrong. That proactive alerting and then response helps everyone better trust the data. However, data contracts are still a work in progress. I think everybody's feeling this because not everything is easy to define in a contract. There are definitely gray areas that are improving, but not great yet about how we handle those in contracts. Scott note here, and that's okay. We can't get everything perfect up front. We have to iterate towards better. I think, you know, Jamax talked about this in one of the upcoming, I think, upcoming episodes of Jamax Corner. It's hard to remember exactly when they released versus <laughs> when, when they were recorded. She talks about that data contracts, the way that we're trying to do them is exactly how we did them in the early days of API contracts. And they were overly rigid and, and didn't work. And that's okay. We're going to take our licks and we're going to get better. We're going to get to a better place. Hematasia then shared a lot about what the data platform team that she leads set out to do at the start of their data mesh journey. One aspect was to create a center of excellence approach, standardizing how data engineering work is done to create data products across the 15 plus teams running on their platform right now. They did that by starting to drill into pain points and doing lots of listening to potential users. They need to take they needed to take a different approach rather than just yet another data platform. Again, definition of insanity. Preventing the central data team from becoming a central data engineering team was a worry for Hematasia. How do you prevent being a bottleneck and empower teams to do what they need to do as that central kind of data platform team, as that central data team? especially at the start of the journey. As many guests have pointed to, automation and blueprints have been crucial for Disney streaming. Teams pushed back initially at the thought of managing their own infrastructure, but they realized it gave them the ability to move at their own pace. No more waiting in a prioritization queue for necessary infrastructure. Another key milestone was developing tools to make it easy for cross-domain communication and data sharing. Domains at Disney Streaming actually wanted to share their data with each other, and the Data Mesh platform implementation made that possible. It was previously very difficult to trust data, but now the quality metrics were clearly defined and tracked. Data sharing and usage between domains increased significantly. Scott note here, I think that's really useful to actually say out loud and talk about this internally of once we get to better quality, then people will be much more willing to use each other's data. And once people actually understand their own quality and can drive to what other domains want and what they need when they say, 
we want high quality data, what they actually mean by that, your usage can increase significantly. Trust is there. Trust is required before people can rely on data. Prior to doing Data Mesh, Hematasia shared that data engineers in domains had no real visibility into data infrastructure, provisioning, timeline, or any other aspect. They'd push a ticket and wait for things to happen. But with Data Mesh, since they own the infrastructure, they can go at their own pace and can understand much more about any delays. So they understand and better control their own timelines, which makes them far happier. You know, that kind of aspect of control, controlling their own destiny makes them happier. And then once they've gone through the process of spinning up infrastructure the first time, the next time they can be that much faster, right? So it might take them more time on the first use case, maybe the same amount of time on the second, but by the third, fourth, fifth, they're so much faster than trying to go through a central team. They're better able to move at the speed of their own domain, at the speed of their business. Hematasia shared about the process of evaluating new platform capabilities requests. As many past guests have also noted, you need to establish a a process to abstract away the requirements from individual use cases to find a generalized approach. Otherwise, you will end up with yet another overburdened platform that you can't evolve. A specific example at Disney Streaming was enabling their Apache Kafka clusters to better communicate across domains, which were leveraging individual AWS cloud accounts. Instead of building a solution to share data for each technology, so not focusing on Kafka, they built a system to better enable sharing across those cloud accounts with proper access control and privacy. So then it didn't really matter what technology to technology was being shared. They had a way to better share data. And then the teams could focus on the tech-to-tech implementation if they really needed that. And sometimes the answer is that you can't support a unique requirement via the platform. That's okay. And often it's the right call because if you just build to all of these one-offs, your platform becomes this you know, impossible to maintain crazy set of all sorts of different things and you can't evolve it. At Disney Streaming, Hematasia and team implemented a very interesting approach to access control via RBAC or role-based access control. There are a few levels of data usage clearance, but if you are at you know, access level to PII, right? Or if you're at access level to even above that, a financial level in one domain, it's the same clearance level for all the domains, right? And all the use cases in that domain and all the other domains. This might not work for heavily regulated industries, but it's working very well for Disney streaming. The the work to decide who has access to what data is done ahead of time instead of kind of constant requests. They just think very carefully about each use case and who should have access and why, but there isn't a need to manually grant access. And there is, of course, oversight to how people are using data to make potential changes. Scott, note this is a really interesting approach, and I'd love to hear people's feedback. And, you know, I think there's even more nuances that we didn't dig into. So uh, I think that's one where I'd say it's around minute 45 in the actual episode episode. It's like 35 minutes into the interview aspect of the episode. But I think that's going to be really uh, helpful for a lot of folks to dig into. And I don't know if that's the approach you should take, but it's an interesting thing to really think about. In wrapping up, Hematasia shared 
how they are strongly limiting their blast radius around sharing data with partners and vendors. They have accounts that are not able to get access to any other accounts where they give those partners or vendors access, right? So there's this kind of lockdown account. So there is not a way for those partners or, or vendors or anything to access data they shouldn't be able to see. It's a simple security pattern, but others should consider adopting it in her view. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music.